Welcome to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. I am Joe Sebelia. You know, in 1989, we had some great debut albums from some fantastic bands such as Skid Row, Extreme, and Bang Tango, just to name a few. Another band that had a great debut album in 1989 was a band called Shotgun Messiah. Shotgun Messiah's singer Zinni Zan was leading the ship all the way from Sweden, but the band was short-lived and imploded shortly after releasing their first debut album. Zinni has a new album coming out May 20th, 2022, called Lullabies for the Masses, and currently has a new single out called Heartbreak City that you can hear now on all streaming platforms. Zinni Zan is my guest this week. We're going to discuss all of this and more. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, please make sure you do yourself a favor and head over to YouTube and find us over there, the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show, so you can watch a video version. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that bell so you can be notified anytime we post a new video. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. Listen, a lot of people know you from the band Shotgun Messiah. Yes. Um, I know you from the band Shotgun Messiah originally, and actually I've been a fan. I still got my cassette, found my cassette. Wow. My original cassette. This was even, I might have even been before the uh, clear cassettes. Remember the clear ones? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah, I this, think, is an, this is an early one. <laughs> yeah, I think it actually, if I remember correct, came with a stencil. Did it? That's that's correct. It did. Yeah, both, on the album, both on the album, the cassette, and later on also the CD, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the stencil anymore. I don't, I probably wore it out, stencil and things. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I found that, so... I've been a fan for a long time, and then uh, recently, I don't know where I saw it, if it was social media or somewhere online, of course, but you yeah. have a new single out now. That's correct. That's correct. Tell me about the new single. It's called Heartbreak uh, City. Yeah, it's called Heartbreak City, um, uh-huh. and it's a song, actually, it's a song written with, the, with the, my, my U.S. years in mind. Uh, when I was living in California. Uh, so it's, it's going back a little bit with memories and so on. And it came about due to the fact that I'm writing an autobiography right now. And, yeah. uh, and while doing that, you know, you're still writing songs and so on. And I got this new band. Uh, Let me go under my name, Zinizan. And um, so, we were write, so we were writing and uh, this, this came out really good. So we thought, that okay, let's have that. That's the first single for the coming album that's coming out in May. Okay, and the album is called Lullabies for the Masses, correct? Yeah, it's called Lullabies for the Masses, and it will be released uh, May 20th. And what we did uh, for a strategy said that up to then, let's have a single and a video out one each month. So the January thing, the first one out here was uh, Heartbreak City, and the next one is coming uh, May 8th, uh, January, uh, February, sorry, February 18th, and then so on, March and April and so on. Okay, do we know which one is it coming out in February? In February, we're going to do um, a cover song, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what, can you yeah. say what it is? Um, I shouldn't step behind, I shouldn't step ahead things, but I think the people will get surprised uh, due to the fact that they, uh, the people that know me since before, like you and so on, you, you heard Chaka Messiah, maybe other stuff that I've done with Sandclan and so on. Uh, this cover with this particular band, I would say that you would never have thought that I would do anything with. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's exciting. So that'll yeah. be interesting. So February. Okay. Um, you know, listening to the, to heartbreak city, I really liked it. And Thank 
it has a uh, flavor of Shaka Masai a little bit, but uh, I mm-hmm. would say a little more modern sound. Shaka mm-hmm. Masai with a modern twist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, well, I think I think you know uh, the stripes from the tiger. You know, doesn't really go away. So, right. No, right. No matter what you what you do, you know, this is what I come back to uh, all the time. I'm maybe not that. Uh, uh, let's say avant-garde, like Tim Skull, for example, is doing other stuff. Uh, I like those kind of stuff as well. But when it comes to my own songwriting, uh, I'm a regular rocker, and that's sure. that's what I come from. So, so I, I, I can see what you're saying, and and I do understand because the riff and everything that that it's very. I think the only thing that that separates this from a Shaka Messiah song is due to the fact that I'm not using my screaming voice. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I would say it's it's a it's a little bit of a of an early Shaka Messiah rocker, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now your voice sounds great on it, by the way. Thank you, thank so you. Can you still get to those screaming levels? Absolutely. The, yeah. the, but the, the thing was, I have no problem with it at all, to be honest. And I'm I'm pretty surprised myself. <laughs> but but uh, the only thing, the reason I would say. Spoiler alert, but, but I don't yeah. use the screaming voice one time on the entire new album. And the reason for that is that there's always been this criticism, you know, they said, well, yeah, he's a screamer. He can't really sing this and that. And I, <laughs> for some reason, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old now and I go like, okay, I'm going to prove them wrong. You know, I can actually sing as well. I don't need to scream all the time. Right. Uh, even if I thought it was really cool to do that because I, you know, I grew up with a NASA ref and, 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 uh, um, um, his voice and, and also, of course, then the ACDC and then later on also the Axel Rose and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, and I kind of like that thing, but, but when it comes to this criticism all the time and M plus, I wanted to show a different side of myself as well. You know, it's, it's not only screaming all the time. So, mm-hmm. so this album is no screaming whatsoever, to be honest. Okay. All right. Well, and you're putting it out as Zinni Zan, just your yes. name. Okay. Yeah. Who, who is in the band? Who do you have playing with you? Yeah. For the time being, it's uh, the the bass player and um, Holger Kamrotz and 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 then the guitar player and producer and songwriter together with myself. Uh, it's uh, Stefan Bergström. Steph, mm-hmm. Stefan Stefan and Holger used to be in a band called Skin Trade uh, right. before. Good uh, band. Yeah, really good band. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, we got to know each other. And you know, I always I admired their stuff before and so on. And and. Uh, uh, we just came to work. Um, I did some solo stuff and, and in my native language, in Swedish. Uh, that's what's another thing that I never got to do, you know. And the older you get, you, you know, like, okay, what else can I do? Sure. Let's push it out so far, you know, where, where can I go? And um, for that solo thing that I did under my under my real name, Stagman, which is my true name, then, uh, I used Stefan. And then we worked so well. And then we said, that, okay, if you're ever going to do something beside the Swedish stuff again, Stefan asked me, he said, that, let's do something in English again. And I would like to, to, to partnership with you. So what we've done is it's, Stefan and I have wrote the entire album, like a 50, 50 thing. Okay. Um, so, so, uh, but today this is uh, Stefan on guitar and H- Hoggy on bass. And right now we are, in between drummers, uh, we have used okay. three different drummers on the album, uh, but that's just because uh, we are damn picky. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you used to be a drummer, right? Yeah, I used to be a drummer. I, I started my musical career, uh, so to speak, with, with uh, as a drummer. Yeah. How how long were you playing drums? 
Ooh, I was playing drums for five or six years, and I went to uh, drumming school for four and a half years. Oh, so okay. I, I, I was pretty good at it, but you know, it was my, my I'm coming from a very musical family, and mm-hmm. I'm probably the, I'm probably the least talented in everyone in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm the one that got to play, and my yeah. mother always told, told me because I wanted to be a guitar player from the beginning. Since my, as you can hear, my voice has always been pretty fucked up. I had problems with my my vocal cords since I was 11, 12. Really? And yeah, I know I have got down and burned stuff and, and that's why I have this specific kind of uh, yeah, voice that I have. So so from from the beginning I wanted to be a guitar player. Uh, mm. But my mom, she was so much into this old Gene Krupa, Buddy Rich uh, drummers. And she said, there's plenty of guitar players, but you remember yeah. that the heartbeat in a, in a band and the heartbeat in the music, it's the drummer. So she, she really got me into drumming. So, so that's what I, and I would say I, I love do the drumming and everything like that. But the only reason why I came to, to, to start singing, even if I didn't have the, the opportunity with it to start with, with a throat, but it was due to the fact that I was writing songs and no, no singer that we found could sing it the way I wanted it to be sung. Um, mm. To be honest, neither could I in the beginning. But, <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, it worked out after training. So yeah, yeah, okay. Well, back to the album real quick. What um, now you released it on uh, Wild Kingdom, right? Wild Kingdom Records. Yeah, yeah. Wild Kingdom. That's correct. Okay, okay. Um, and you had some other options to release it out on. Yes, and what we did was like we said that we, let's make the let's do the whole album. And, you know, take three or four songs and send it out everywhere. And that's what we did to, okay. to everyone and their dog, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, we had some, uh, we had three other options and two of them uh, major labels. Okay. But but when we spoke to them, and I, and I do understand, you know, I'm, I'm from, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm a, I'm a guy from the old block. Sure. And I understand it's not the 80s anymore and so on and so forth. But when I heard what they were willing to do and not to do, I understood that, okay, they're going to put it out there and say, okay, let's see what happens. Mm. And, and well, fine and dandy, but, but I wanted to work with someone that really understood it and loved the music the way I do. I know I will not sell by the truckloads, but, mm. but, but still there's music, you know, there's, there's music there. And I, as long as people want to buy it and then, uh, you know, you can go out and tour and stuff like that. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. So, so when I sat down with Wild Kingdom and Sound Pollution, and we were talking about it, and they say like, "Okay, you're going to be our priority number one. We're going to do this and this and this and this for you." And again, much rather go for an independent and a smaller company. And we did that the same thing with Chaka Messiah. Mm. Chaka Messiah had all the options in the world, but we went with Relativity Records. Mm. And though when these guys weren't big when we had them, when we signed. That, yes, they had Steve I, Joe Satriani, uh, I think Kristen Pelletieri was there as well, and so on. But but they weren't really, they weren't like a major company or anything like that. And we turned down like Electra and and, and, and these guys as well. Because Relativity Records back in those days with Shaka Messiah also said, you're going to be priority number one, we take you over to the U.S. and so on. And they did. Okay. Uh, so I, I kind of like to work with the underdogs because I don't want to be priority number 35. They put it out and say, okay, let's see what happens. I want, yeah. I want to work with someone and see that, okay, we're really going to try to do this. If we, if we fail, we fail. But um, uh, I'm very happy to work with them. And I think they've done some really good work 
with other bands before. So, mm-hmm. did you consider putting it out on your own? I know that happens a lot these days. Yeah, we did. We, mm-hmm. we, we did consider that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But after talking with Wild Kingdom, but the fact is, like two of the guys in Wild Kingdom, I known for years, and uh, at least the last fifteen years, we have said, you know, doing dinners or having a beer. Let's do something together sometime. Yeah. And sometime never happened. But now when, when they when they saw this and I sent it out to them, I didn't call them or anything. I know them very well. Um, so I just said, uh, well, hey, guys, uh, listen to this. And they called me up and said, Zinni, now is the time. <laughs> and I said, okay. OK, let's hear what you got for me. And then we sat down and then, then uh, it was pretty much was me and Stefan. We said, well, let's go for it. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it. And you said it comes out in May, May 20th, I believe. May 20th. Yes, that's okay. correct. And it's going to be available on vinyl. I saw, right. Is that correct? Yeah. Vinyl and CD. So both, both things. Yes. And vinyl okay. again, because I, I don't know, but in the U S I, I do hope, but in Europe, it has a kind of a big revival with the vinyl thing again. Yeah. I believe, um, something I saw vinyl is outselling CDs. Yes. It yeah. Is. So, it so is. that's good. That's good. Cause I, I mean, I, I'm from the, you know, way back as you can tell yeah. with my cassette tape here, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I've been buying vinyl a lot too for the uh, past few uh, years. So I'm glad to see it's coming out on vinyl. So yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's so am I. And we thought that that's, that's an absolute, like we had to have that. Otherwise it would be no deal. I, I'm, yeah. I'm old school like that because I, I, I do know. And I remember when we started out with a CD thing, uh, because Chuck Masai was right in the middle of that mm-hmm. back in 89, 88. And the same, but I know Steve Stevens back, back in those days from uh, the guitar player from Billy Idol. Sure. He just hated the, the, the CD thing. And he said he, 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 wa- he wanted to have this piece of vinyl sitting there, listen to it and, you know, hold it and feel it and so on. And I was the exact same way. We had the exact same feeling about that. Then, then of course, CDs work and CDs is absolutely good and fine and everything. But again, if you want to have that nice sound, and to be honest, vinyl is the one that sounds the best. You think so? See, I, yeah, I, I, I can't I tell the difference that much really, but um, you're right about having it in front of you and holding yeah. that disc and the, and the jackets and stuff. I think that's part of the reason why it's coming back. Cause I think yeah. the younger generation is realizing that that is something that is, you know, it's great to have that physical object in their hand. Yeah. It feels more valuable for some reason. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm old school. I don't know. But, but yeah, but for, for me, I really, I really try, I really listen to this because it, it's very convenient. We see these and so on the same with streaming. It's very mm-hmm. convenient. You can do this and that and, you know, have these playlists and so on. Uh, but then again, for the sound, to be honest, coming out of the studio and you're sitting there in the studio doing this and, and you get it on vinyl and you get it on CD, uh, the, the CD does not take in the, the warmth of, of, of the uh, – it's, it's something missing yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so, yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad, to, glad to hear that. And I'm very excited, like I said, to – see that come out so good um now when is that going to be available on do you have a website for you no they have no okay. website for us yeah, uh, we have find one no we we decided to just go with facebook and instagram 
uh, for the time being at least. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you you can have the album from uh, via Wild Kingdom, or okay. we will have we will have these things up, up on Facebook and Instagram as well. It's easier on Facebook, obviously, to have this link where you can pre-order and so on. I think we have it out right now on Cinesan as well uh, on mm-hmm. the Facebook uh, thing. Okay. Otherwise, it's Sound Pollution and Wild Kingdom. You can buy it from. Okay. But uh, for right now, since we are kind of a newly start band, we said, let's skip the website and, and see, you know, we'll see what this takes us. Sure. Okay. Okay. Now let's go back a little bit to how we were talking about you playing drums. Now you were briefly in a version of Hanoi Rocks, correct? Yeah. It That's was not called Hanoi Rocks back in those right. days. Uh, it was, I known Andy McCoy for years, for years and years. And he used to live in Sweden. They were mm-hmm. originally from Finland. Uh, but they had, they had a band. He had a band called the Nymphomaniacs, which I played drums with for a while. And there was uh, Andy and uh, Mike was there uh, singing and uh, playing bass as well, and so on. So, so me and Andy we played c- quite a lot. And then they, then they started out with Hanno Rocks, and, and then of course they had found Jeppe, uh, mm-hmm. the original drummer. And uh, exactly back in, right back then, that's when I decided to start singing. And myself, okay. so, so so then I had my first band, the Brilliant Boys, and we were playing back to back with Hanno Rocks back in those days. But yeah, me and Andy had this uh, thing in in the beginning uh, playing because we were the ones that from the punk rock scene had a little longer hair, looked something in between punks and uh, Rolling Stones in '75 or something like that. So we kind of joined each other to each other, and and uh, and he was. Back in those days, he was uh, an excellent songwriter. Did mm. really good, you know, this poppy rock things. Uh, I thought it was really good. Okay, okay. And then, so, eventually, when you started singing, you formed uh, Easy Action? Yeah, um, I had a band before that, but but, but we, never, we made, never made it big or anything like that. Right, but that then, was yeah. like your big break kind of thing, right? Easy Action? Yeah, Easy Action was the thing. And uh, so so Easy Action and Hino Rocks uh, got signed with a guy, uh, the Tandan Records, it's Sanji Tandan, a guy here in Sweden. Uh, and um, he signed Hino Rocks and sold, sold Hino Rocks to, uh, I think back in those, it was Sony or, or yeah. And then he signed us Easy Action. He sold us to Warner. Uh, so both Hanna Rocks and, and, and Easy Action got off to a good start. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Easy Action was, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, you were the first Swedish band to sign a worldwide deal, right? Absolutely. Not even ABBA did that. <laughs> wow. I mean, he yeah, must have been like it, on it, top it of the world. was a big thing. It was yeah. headlines in the evening papers and everything like that back in Sweden because it was a very big thing, absolutely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, and, uh, so so what happened with Easy Action? I mean, what, why did it not succeed the way you wanted it to? I think, well, my, my point of view is that we, we we had it all, to be honest. We we, we got signed to Warner. And they, they, they put in money in there and we had... We, we got signed by Seymour Stein. Seymour Stein is famous for, for you know, uh, signing Blondie, uh, Talking Heads, the Ramones, and so right. on. And he signed us, so that was really good. Then we also got interest from Bill O'Coin management. Back in mm-hmm. those days, Bill O'Coin had Kiss, and he just broke Billy Idol that came from England, and he took him over to New York. And uh, his, his um, Bill O'Coin's vision there was to take easy action over to, to New York. And uh, I was absolutely all up for it, but the rest of the guys weren't. 
they were a little scared with that. And one of the guys were to become a father for the first time in his life and so on. So they said that, okay, let's stay in Sweden, uh, do another album here and and see what happens. And I felt like, well, we got Warner, we have Bill O'Coin. Yeah. Why wait? You, you can't get off on a better start. So I said, no, fuck it. Sorry, my... Uh, yeah, no worries. French. No worries. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So I went over to New York. Uh, so I said, I quit the band, went over to New York, spent 10 months there and had some help from 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 uh, from Billy Idol because he was there as well. Met up with a couple of, of people to work with. But to be honest, back in those days, uh, a lot of people had the looks and will uh, to be rock stars, but <laughs> they didn't really want to go down and really practice. Yeah. Uh, everyone, I shouldn't say that everyone was a poser, but 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 some of them could actually play absolutely, but they weren't really really committed. Uh, mm. So I felt like if this is going to be a good band, I better go go back to Sweden where where I know people. So that's what I did. So I spent you no know, ten months a year in New York, trying really trying, and I had some people uh, trying out for me and everything like that, but no, didn't really click that much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you were pretty picky on what you were looking for. You knew what you wanted. Yeah, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And, and again, I, when uh, when it comes to Easy Action, we had a, a, an excellent guitar player in Key Marcello that yeah. later went, went to Europe. So I knew that I really had to have a guy that really could handle the guitar in a good way uh, and not to be, you know, kind of sloppy or, or like that. So I, I knew what I wanted. So I was kind of picky about that. But but then again, for me more, it was the attitude to, to you know, because I, I felt back in those days, Americans were really good on stage and everything, eh, much better than Swedes that are more like laid back or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, humble. These guys get out and kicked ass, which was really good. But when it came to practice, they weren't that good at that. So so uh, and that's that's the reason for me going back to Sweden. Yeah. Well, you know, Americans are lazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it all, but back in those days, these these guys, these rockers, they were more into go out partying and having a good time at the yeah. limelight club or dance or whatever it was called back in those days. Yeah. Well, that's what it was about, right? A lot of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you go back to Sweden, and then w- yeah. what happens back in Sweden? Is that when you join up with uh, the guys that were later become Shaka Messiah, or did it take some time? Yeah, but it, it took some time. It took another year. And and for that year, I had another band that I was working with uh, called Dream Police. And, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we do love Cheap Trick. <laughs> I was going to say, you like Cheap, cheap Trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were called Dream Police, but it didn't really hit off. So we played for a year, toured a little bit in Sweden, only in Sweden around that. At the same time, I was looking to see, okay, where do I go next? And uh, all of a sudden, this reporter and journalist, a famous guy called in Sweden called Anders Tegner, he had this band that he was about to to do a foot session with. And he said, these guys are really something. They had an excellent guitar player, and they're looking for uh, a frontman and a singer. And when I asked them what kind of singer they wanted, and they said either Cine Sand or Mike Moreau, because they were really into that. And uh, they said, but both of these guys are gone and taken. And uh, Anders know me, and they said, no, 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 Zinni's Zinni's not doing anything right now. So, so they contacted me. So I never, I never heard of this band before. Right. Never even met them. They come from a very small town south in Sweden. Uh, so I actually took a car and went down there in the studio and uh, spent the weekend with them. 
And that was it. Then we said, all right, this is, I, I was blown away, to be honest. Mm. The first time I heard the songs, I think there was three songs already done then. Uh, and those were absolutely brilliant. And this guy could play the guitar like I never heard before. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I was kind of picky. You know, I played with Kim Marcella for some time. So yeah. in the studio, one time I asked Harry, is it okay if I go into the same room as you? Because I really need to figure out what the fuck are you doing with the guitar? <laughs> because you know, he, it was absolutely amazing. So, so for me, it was no doubt. I, I, I fell in love with these guys from day one. And uh, obviously, they, they, they like my style as well. So uh, mm-hmm. that's how that started. Okay. Now, did you guys, were you guys friends from day one? Like, did you guys get along or was it more of just a musical connection? No, I would say we were kind of friends, but it uh-huh. was absolutely musical connection. And at the same time, the thing was, they had already started to recordings, as I said. So they had like three songs already done, right? Uh, and they had it with an old singer that they used to have. And uh, so they were looking, okay, how would you do this? And how would you sing this? So, we, so you know, so we started all over again with the song and the vocals and the mm-hmm. melodies and so on. So we started working while getting to know each other. Yeah. Because we okay. never know each other. We never met before. Uh, so th- that was, it was good. But at the same time, our friendship was always Shotgun Messiah. Yeah, the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was because we, we, we woke up, ate, sleep, and, and thought Shaka Messiah all the mm-hmm. time. So when it came to uh, recreational stuff and things like that, that's when we maybe learned that we were way different. I'm mm-hmm. very outspoken, while Harry is a more thinkable guy, and, you know, he's, he, you know, he needs to have his atmosphere where he can be alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can be as open as anything. And, and Tim has millions of ideas all the time and so on. And, and the drummer sticks, he's, he's funny as hell. And, and he's, you know, 30 seconds from a joke all the time, uh, which is really good, except for when you're sitting in, <laughs> in meetings and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. So it was, it was, it was really like a monthly crew. It was really, uh, four different guys, but in a good way, I would say. I think we work really good together in in many ways, and we we became friends while not getting to know each other and while breaking the band. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an awkward situation, but but and then you put these guys out in a tour bus for months in U.S. where we'd never been before or toured. Uh, so it was a lot of a different experience, and we got to learn. The good and the bad side, because everyone has a good and the bad side, sure. and, you know. Uh, and you know, month four, when you're going, oh God, does he need to do this every fucking morning? <laughs> and, <laughs> listen, right. and, and, and you don't know each other too well. So, so, so it, of course, that 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 came friction came later on. Mm. Uh, it, it absolutely did, but uh, we we had we had a good laugh and had a good run uh, in yeah. the beginning. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the first song you guys wrote together? The first song I wrote together with them from start, that must have been Dirt Talk, I believe. Uh-huh. Because I, I believe that Harry Harry knew that I am a, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan. And he wanted to have that groove kind of. But then I think the absolute first song we worked with together that they had written in the beginning before. But we, we, we changed a lot of stuff in it. That was Bob City. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, the Bob, the Bob City riff and everything that was, that was there, but 
the, 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 their first singer had a total different melody of it. Mm-hmm. So me and Harry broke that down and said, okay, how would you sing this? And how would you do that? So that was the first one we started working with. That mm-hmm. one and nervous, and then oh, okay. from the beginning, from the very very core start, that I think that was their talk. Okay, okay. Um, so you guys were in Sweden. Sweden. Did you plan on coming to the U.S. right away? Is that something you wanted to do? Absolutely. And that's something they wanted to do as well. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. We, we were. Uh, I think both they and myself. Uh, we were very. We were very determined what we wanted to do because when I spoke to them, they have never they have never done an album before. Mm-hmm. I had done albums, I had done tours, and this and that, and they knew that I've been in New York, in America, and so on. Uh, so they asked me about stuff, and I said that well, it's absolutely a great learning, and it's a great audience in Sweden. That would be the easiest thing to do. Uh, but then again, I toured that many times, mm-hmm. and I thought that this is just as good as any American band ever. So so. Listen to the new bands from America, from the U.S. Why don't we go there? And they said, "Well, hey Zinni, if you have the contacts and everything, let's do that." And I said, "I believe that I do have the contacts. So, so you know, give me give me uh, two weeks. I go over to L.A. and that's what I did." So, so yeah, we we were very determined. And the thing was that the, the record company we had in Sweden that time, they were really happy because they had this management that had put up seventy five gigs for us in Sweden to tour with, and we turned it down. They oh. were not very happy at all. No. But, uh, I said we've done that r- routine before, and you know we we're gonna go to the US. That that's that's where it happens. Mm-hmm. And 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 back in those days, and most like you know, if, if you go back in time, the US that that's where you break. That's where you break a band, mm-hmm. e- except for maybe late sixties and early seventies when Jimi Hendrix and the other one went to London to to become stars before they went to the U.S. Otherwise, the U.S. market has been the leading one. And I thought, like, why stay way up north in a small country in Sweden? You know, who's just going to hear about us here? So so it, right. was a, it was a decision we all made together. Yeah. Did you move over? The, you guys come over on your own, or, or did a label help you? How'd you get over here? Yeah, uh, the, the, the label Relativity Records helped us. And that's okay. that, that, that was in the that was in the contract as well, and that's why we we choose to go for them. We okay. said that if we if you want to sign us, get us over there, get us the H one visas so you can work there and so on. Uh, because otherwise, what we heard, and I do understand that, but but most record companies said, well, get over here. We arranged that you can tour for a, a month, then you go back to Sweden. We wait and see what happens. Mm. And I go like, hey. If I'm going to compete, but back then it was like Skid Row, Warren, Faster Pussycat, LA Guns, and you know, all these guys came up, uh, these new bands. You know, these guys can play every weekend or every week, everywhere. And I should go there for a month and then go back to Sweden and wait and see, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, then, then you don't compete on the same terms. So uh, we said, no, we yeah. need to go over to the US and said, put, us in the, put us in a van. We play anywhere. Because yeah, you we guys weren't waiting that- for anything. No, no, exactly. We, we, yeah. And again, we, we were we were damn sure. We thought we had good songs. And we said, hey, did. you know, just put us out there. All we want to do is play. And that's what they did. And we started out, you know, there was a hole in the wall when we started out. But but then, of course, it, it grew. Mm-hmm. And it became bigger and bigger, uh, you know, places to play. So, uh, so the proof so, was with the product we had right from the beginning. So, so you came over to, to L.A., not New York this time mm-hmm. okay what yeah, was the so first was place you guys played over here 
Was it a big show or or just a... yeah? The the first place we played was actually the Palace in in Hollywood. Okay, uh, it, this between Hollywood and Vine, uh, pretty big place. We played mm-hmm. there together with I think Gene Simmons tried to break a band that he, he was uh, very interested in called House of Lords. Yeah, I remember so, them. Yeah, so I think House of Lords and Austin Shaka Messiah. We played so the first gig we played was the Palace, and then mm-hmm. on tour. The first gig was in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Would um that, go ahead. Yeah, but that, that that was cool. It was a dance hall, uh, you know, this big dance hall thing in Dallas, Texas, and and I think the whole band was just looking at, and we saw all these cowboys get guys, and we're like, <laughs> wow, this this is kind of clash. This is kind of collide. What year was but, it? Uh, but it was a fantastic show. I think ever since that day, uh, Dallas, Texas. And around there, Houston and Austin and everything that they got to love Shaka Messiah because we played quite a lot in Texas. We did. <laughs> the Cowboys liked you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, we th- and we thought it would be the country. We go like, we going out there with the makeup and scarves yeah. and all that shit. They're gonna go fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what year was this? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, th- so that was around the time, like you said, the LA Guns. Was Ellie Guns was already on the scene at that time, I believe. Yeah, Ellie Guns was already on the scene. But you had bands I like... Ke- I knew Kelly Nickers before because he tried out for me in New York because he's, you know, he's from Long Island in the beginning. Oh, okay. So, so the original bass player, that Kelly Nickers, me, me and him go way back. Uh-huh. Uh, and same with a couple of the guys from a band called Jet Boy. I don't know yep. if you remember mm-hmm. them. Oh, yeah. Feel the Shake was there, yeah. So these guys, and you also, they kept some of them come from New York as well. So, okay. yeah. But you had Skid Row, you had Warrant, I believe you had uh, Danger Danger. And yeah, uh, that time, Bang Tango came out Extreme around that time. came out at the same time as well, with Pornography, yeah. uh, that album. How did, the, how did your peers take you guys coming over from Sweden? Well, in the beginning, in the Hollywood scene, it was not, you know, everyone was like looking at you and were like, Okay, these guys come from another country. They have it. They have it all fixed. They have it all figured out. They have record companies. These guys were handing out flyers, you mm-hmm. know, trying to make ends meet. And here comes these flamboyant guys from from Sweden, and they had it all. Because so in the beginning, before they got to know us, they were like, "What's this? Yeah. You know, go back to your country, do your shit. You haven't, you know, you haven't worked from day one here. You know, working up and down the strip with your flyers and this and that. So mm-hmm. when we came in, you know, flying in like, all right, here, where's the oysters? Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, but it wasn't really like that. But but that's what they thought in the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so but but the the musicians that already made it, like the people from Faster Pussycats and, and you know all these guys that you met, and even the guys from Guns N' Roses. I met Izzy long before in New York as well. Uh, they were absolutely all okay and nice. Same with Kelly, Kelly Nichols that I know since before, uh, Billy Idol, and yeah, and the guys from Warrant and so on. Yeah, but they mm. were they were absolutely really nice. Good, good. Um, so your album comes out, and did you guys get on a major tour? No, in the beginning, what they did was uh, they put us out with Pretty Boy Floyd. Uh, that was also a band, an LA band that just got signed. Yeah. So they said that wherever Shaka Messiah sells the most records, we will headline. Wherever Pretty Boy Floyd sells the most records in, in, in these towns, they're going to headline. So that's what we did. Uh, but then I thought we took off a little bit more than Pretty Boy Floyd, and then uh, they took Pretty Boy Floyd off the off the road. Mm. And then we continued to tour with. Another Jim Simmons band called EZO. 
I love that uh, band. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Japanese guys. Yeah. The funny thing was when you you know you wanted to go you know you wanted to greet them and meet them and say hi you know it's going to be really nice to to go out to work with you guys and so on. They go like no, you can't speak to them, and I go why? <laughs> because they don't know word English. And I go like, man, hey, he's singing in English. Yeah. yeah, but it's 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 all he had learned how you know the funk how, how to pronounce it. He didn't have an idea what he was singing about. Man, yeah, that's so, crazy. So, so back in those days, in '89, at, at least, they didn't know one word of English. So, so these wow. lyrics he had he had been taught how to pronounce them, and he sang them, but he didn't have a clue what he was singing about. That's interesting. kind of funny. But th- these were really cool guys, and they did really good shows. I liked them quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, yes, we yeah. played with them for a while, and then then it was supposed to be uh, the next thing that came up was. Uh, Billy Idol just did Charmed Life, that album, mm-hmm. uh, with LA Woman and, you know, Cradle of Love and so on. So he was about to go on tour, and he was about to take Alice Cooper with him that just released the Trash album, right? Uh, where he had Joe Perry and Bon Jovi and all these guys helping him out. So it was supposed to be Billy Idol headlining, Alice Cooper with the Trash, and then Shaka Messiah. But then this um, fine gentleman from England, Billy Idol, choose to uh, drive his uh, Harley home one uh, late, early morning from the studio. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, And he crashed. Yeah. And he hurt his leg quite bad. And so that tour was canceled. And um, when Alice was going out, then he thought that, well, then I go out on my own or with someone else. But he thought Shaka Messiah would be too small. So he took in bad English, I believe. As, yeah, so we were, and so then we were off, and then mm-hmm. we went on tour by ourselves, doing clubs and so, some dance halls and so on, and um, that's when we were up in Saratoga Springs, and our drummer decided to um, go for skiing and having Jägermeister at the same time. Oh, jeez, doesn't yeah. sound so good. No, nah. so he <laughs> broke he broke his he broke his arm, and the tour was off. We tried to get a drummer in, so we actually called back in those days. It was. I think uh, uh, Matt Sorum was uh, drumming for The Cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, The Cult had just canceled their tour due to the fact that their bass player got arrested or something like that. So we called we called Matt Sorum up and said, could you do the tour with us? And he said, absolutely. I like you guys. I can do that. But unfortunately, um, the pay he wanted was like kind of the pay that we got from the whole band. So, oh, jeez! <laughs> yeah, so it didn't really work out that way. So, so we went back. So we went back to Hollywood after that, and that was it. You know, kind of was February, March, nineteen ninety, something like that. And mm-hmm. then we said, well, we're about to start writing songs and this and that. But then, it, then it came about that the, uh, it didn't really work uh, the way it should, and and. Uh, there was a happiness in the band with me. I was I was so happy with certain people in the band and so on. You know, we were 25, 26 years old. Uh, you know, we all had egos and this and that. And, you know, so uh, then I said, okay, then I leave. Uh, no mm. problem. So um, you voluntarily left? Or, or uh, yeah, it, it, it was a discussion because they, they weren't really happy with me either. They thought that my... My, uh, I believe that they thought that my my life, though that at least that the, that said that my lifestyle was like it was too much partying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to have a good time, absolutely. But you were, I have you were a partier. Yeah, absolutely. I party quite <laughs> a lot. 
Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Well, again, and, that's what you did back then, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and mm. again, I, I have a strong I have a strong line with work ethics and partying. I know when to party and have a good time. I know when it's work ethics and so on. So so uh, I thought it was kind of harsh. But then again, we, we were coming from different places. Mm-hmm. And as I said, we were different kind of people. Some of the guys just like to take it very, very easy and, and are very, very serious with things like that. Nothing wrong with that. But we were different. Mm-hmm. And they thought, like, well, can Cena really do this? Is he really into this or is he just wanted to party or whatever? And mm-hmm. they thought it was very, very outspoken or so on. So, so it was different kind of things. And so they weren't too happy with me. And, and I weren't too happy with certain things in the band either. So, so uh, it all came about. And I said, you know, once we were, we were sitting at the, at the house talking about it. And then I said, okay, uh, then we split. Nothing mm-hmm. to do about that. The record company really tried. They had me out for dinner like four times and said, like, hey, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go in there. You got to talk to them. And, and I don't know if you call, you call that a quitter or not, but I, I always been in a belief all my life, even if, if it's with, with jobs or with, with bands or with girlfriends or whatever, I will never try to convince someone to stay. Or, or take me back when, you know, if people make the decision, the only thing I, I will ask is that, have you really thought about this? Is this your decision? And right. if there is a decision, then I'm okay with it because it's your decision. I will not try to hammer you with, well, I can do this. I can do that. I can be, you know, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It, if this is a decision that you have made, I do hope that you have really thought about it and then, right. then it's fine. Yeah, I was going to ask if that was an abrupt decision or is it something you thought about before actually doing it? Yeah, when it came, when it came to the record company dinners and so on and the lunches that we had a few, uh, I said again, no matter what I might might say, you know, I have spoken. And, and again, the record company knew because every time there were serious stuff, they always took me in mm-hmm. because I can't speak for myself. I can't speak for the band. Uh, you know, I didn't have certain uh, agendas or anything. And so I was the one that the director company usually talked to mm-hmm. uh, because I'm level-headed. But I, uh, again, I was out partying quite a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. But, 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 but when we had that, I said, you know, no matter how I feel about it, you know, we came here, we started a platform. And I said, I absolutely wanted to do a second album and then people can do whatever because we just built the platform for it. But then again, I said, these guys obviously don't want me in the band or some mm-hmm. of them. And um, so, so this doesn't really matter what I say. Uh, and if this is the decision, it's the decision. And how should we work when we have that? It, it, it's, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You can't really work that way. And, and you know, for the both of us, or for, for, for Shaka Messiah, for Tim and Harry and Sticks in the beginning, I think it was, you know, it was a good thing for them because they did a really good second album. Second Coming was a fantastic album, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came out of the short end, I would say, because I went back to Sweden and I had to start all over again and so on. And and, and uh, so I was the one that took the downfalls uh, kind of thing. Right. They were happy about it. They were still in the U.S. and they did a fantastic second album. But but then again, everyone was telling me later on, I said, well, as soon as you left the band, it went downhill. Well, the sales went downhill, but people love the second album. And the fact that it didn't do as well as the first album, I would probably say it's more like due to the fact of Nirvana. and, and Yeah, those I was going to say the landscape yeah, changed the, at the that time. The grunge was hitting. The grunge was coming hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so, so do you yes, think it, it, it was, it was, it was infected when I left the band from the beginning, but, but now, you know, I still talk, me and Harry talk, me and Sticks talk, and we even played together a few times because he's back in Sweden as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, so it worked out, but yeah. Do, do you think if uh, Billy didn't get in that accident, your path would have been different with the band? Hard to say, to be honest. You yeah. know, I, it, it's, it's funny that it's said because when I'm writing the book, I come to certain parts somewhere and I go like, if we had made that decision, what would have happened? Yeah. But I, I do guess that we were who we were anyways. And the, the good thing, the good and the bad thing with South Messiah, I would say, is that these four guys, Tim, Harry, and myself and Sticks, all four of us were people that we would never, ever back down. Uh, Good in a certain way when it works, because we were a fantastic force when it worked, and that's what people loved about it. They said, "But there's no, there's, you know, there's there's no limits for Shaka Messiah. They can do whatever." And we mm-hmm. really, we really did that. And, and but at the same time, when it, when it comes to compromising, it was kind of hard in that band. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know if that Billy Idol thing would have made, you know, it would have made us a more household name, absolutely. But but. In, inevitably, I think that would still have happened down the line somewhere anyway, sure. because again, T- Tim is driven and he wants to do his thing, and I can never see him being being uh, happy with being the bass player in the band uh, because he he needs his attention and he's you know he's he's, he's a fine artist, mm. uh, so so yeah, I, I I do believe the outcome would have been the same. We might have been more household name. Uh, with that tour absolutely but uh, that's about it i would say yeah yeah okay yeah i never got to see you guys live because i mean you didn't you didn't come around that much where i was at from what i remember anyway because i used to go to every show back in the day but, oh, and, you uh, did? But, but, but where were you living at that time i was down in florida you uh, no, florida we that's absolutely you're absolutely right mm-hmm. we would we never played florida yeah why it, it's when, when you say it's kind of strange because we asked that we asked them because we always did California, we did Texas, we did upstate New York, Chicago, Cincinnati, Detroit, and all those places, Washington, and so on. And and but we never did Florida. And the the reason we heard that there's a that kind of music is not really big down in Florida. But then mm. I saw look, I saw you had band like Rocks Gang. Rocks Gang came from Tampa. That's where I yeah, lived. Yeah, they did, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how about these guys? Because, you know, I was reading all these magazines, of course, when I came to the U.S., because I wanted to understand the market and what's out there, what's sure. our competition, so what will be our colleagues and so on. And so I knew Rocks Gang and a few others. And I was kind of surprised because we never, ever played one single show in, in Florida. We didn't. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Because we yeah. had all the bands came through there. And I remember there used to be a club called the Rocket Club that was real popular yeah. down in Tampa. Uh, uh, and, you know, the Bang Tangos and, the, yeah. you know, they would all, all those bands would sell out yeah. the club. And that's funny as well, because the Bang, Bang Tango and we and, and ourselves, we had the same, we had the same business lawyers. So we got to meet mm. quite often. And as you say, Bantanga was down there, but for some reason we were told that no, Florida's not the thing for you guys. You know, they're not into that kind of music down there. And I was surprised because sure. I saw these pictures of Rocks Gang and other bands, and I was like, okay, why? Uh, yeah, but, uh, well, someone lied to you because <laughs> from what I saw, <laughs> you know, all the the tricksters and the dangerous toys—they all yeah, 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 very yeah. well down there. Yeah, but 
Anyway, so, all right, so you leave, and then what was your plan? Did you have a plan, or were you just kind of out there? I didn't really have a plan uh, when when I left. You know, I left back to Sweden, and I saw that, okay, how long, uh, the money I've earned, how long is that going to last? You know, because to see how much time do I got before I need to take a regular job or whatever, or or can I start with with an album? And I think that was kind of a mistake from my end, because I was... I was feeling a more of a pressure. Uh, first, of course, the loss of Shaka Messiah, because, you know, we worked really hard for that one. Yeah. And then going back to Sweden again, starting all over again, uh, it, it was kind of hard. It hit me quite hard. And at the same time, I had uh, I, I had pr- uh, health problems. Uh, I had some problems with my with my body. So I was lying for, for in hospital for two or, or three months. Oh, jeez. And... Uh, and um, but after that, then I was really, I was really, I wanted to do an album so bad that I thought that I, I was, ah, uh, oh, that wasn't the best, it wasn't the best decision. I should have taken my time. But anyways, I released that San Clan album in 1994 in the middle of the grunge thing, and I thought mm. that maybe my my sister and my brother bought that album. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so so but after that one, I thought that okay, uh, let's see what I can do then. And uh, so I, I I wrote music, but then I was starting, you know, uh, looking for other things in life. And I said, I'm okay, maybe you know, maybe I, I play, but right now the grunge thing is there. I have nothing to do there, and you know, even if I want to play music, I don't want to go into something that I don't really believe in. I like a lot of the grunge uh, musicians and, and, and songs, mm. but it's nothing that I can write. Yeah, it's nothing it's not that comes from my heart. So I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, I want to be dead honest when I'm with one thing and that's my music. So I thought that, well, either I write this out or I will just make songs at home. Uh, but then I met my girlfriend and then I thought, okay, I, I love kids. And I thought, that, well, maybe it's time. Mm. Yeah, so that's what we, my decision was. And once my, my first child, Jasmine, came, and I thought, okay, she's going to really have a really nice upgrowing up and so on and so forth. So we, we moved out to the sticks, you know, really on the countryside. Mm-hmm. and lived there for five years. And then all of a sudden they called from, there was a guy in the U.S., in Texas, of course. <laughs> Texas loves you. <laughs> I said, hey, Zinni, I just found you, and you know, here and there. It was some kind of MySpace or something like that. Yeah, uh, remember that? Yeah. On the, yeah. And he said, what are you doing now? Are you writing songs? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm still writing songs. But, you know, the, the, the scene is not for me anymore. It's something else. And he said, oh, can I have a listen? So I sent some over and I said, well, do an album. Uh, so that's what I did, my first Cine San album. Um, uh, and, you know, and from then on, then people started talking. Then they got back to Sandclan again, but together with this guy, Chris Laney. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so then it's all start rolling again and then we go like so i talked to my to my fiance and i said well what do you say i want to go i want to give it another try Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah back you over. Know, yeah she had lived with me for so many years she said i know that you love this you know <laughs> go do your shit you know yeah. be here. so uh and then it just rolled on so we did this this sand clan that i said and then and with these guys we uh, you know, we we opened up with Queen for Queensrÿche. We did a smaller tour thing with White Snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic, really, really good times. And this now we're talking two thousand four ish to two thousand five and so on. Same with the Queensrÿche guys. Really, we thought this will be a weird mix and thing, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was absolutely we 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 clicked like that. Really yeah. nice guys and and everything. Uh, 
And then we did something more. We did yeah, Twisted Sister as well uh, with oh, Dee Snyder and the guys. So we did a small tour with them as well. So, you know, it went on and on like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's okay. what we've been doing. And then, and of course, then we have this, I don't know if you heard about that, but it's, in Europe, one of the biggest festivals we have is called Sweden Rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweden Rock Festival. It's, it's all good. You know, everyone's been there. Everyone from Aerosmith, Motley Crue, the Rat and all these guys. Uh, so so we played there a couple of times. It's, it's good. It's a good show. It's a good amount of people and so on. So, so yeah, been, been hanging in there back and yeah. forth. So to speak. Oh, that's yeah. good. I mean, it sounds like you're doing what you love to do, and that's making music. And it, yeah, but but it is. You know, I, I, uh, I we were talking about that again, coming back to the autobiography when you said, mm-hmm. and I'm well, I got my first record deal when I was seventeen. Uh, I'm fifty-eight. I'm still doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Ne- never got to be a millionaire or anything, but that 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 was never. Of course, that would have been nice, yeah. but that was never. That was never the purpose. That was never the point. The point was that you 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 want to you want to express and maybe give someone else the feeling that you got when you heard your first Aerosmith album or Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or whatever Deep Purple, whatever you were into, mm-hmm. and, and and that music gave me so much, and still during my entire adult life, I would say the same thing, and people say, but. Uh, the amount of time you spend. Yeah. And I said, it's well spent because otherwise I would say, mm, you know, let's leave it. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it's like without music, I would probably die <laughs> because right. it's, it's, a, it's, a, I live music all the time and it could be anything here at home uh, during daytime. When we do stuff here, we listen to classic music. You know, my mm. son is 12 years old. He know, he knows all the Bach and Mozart's and all yeah. that. Because I thought I, I I love that kind of music as well, you know. I, I'm a, a sometimes you know I, in an evening with uh, drinking some wine or whatever, just relaxing. I love to put on Fleetwood Mac, and mm, uh, love Fleetwood Mac. And, and sometimes when I really like it, I put on Rage Against the Machine. So it's right. you know, it, it, it all depends. To, and and that's the cool thing about music, yeah. Your mood and how you feel about it. So so um, and it's good. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good way of expressing yourself. You know, speaking of Rage Against the Machine, you guys on the first record had that song, I think it was Shouted Out, that was kind yeah. of a rap. That was yeah. like one of the earlier rap rock things, I believe. Absolutely. I think about it. it absolutely was. You're absolutely right about that one. Yeah. and it, uh, we, we, so, were, we were very early with that. Yeah. And, was, was that, um, I mean, how did you feel about that? Because you don't have a lot of vocal parts in that, correct? Just the chorus yeah. mainly? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the way it came about was that the, Tim and Harry had that idea from the very beginning. So they had their part. And since the, 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 the lyrics were about both Harry and Tim and then, you know, the, the Harry screaming guitar and Tim's bumping bass and so on. So it was kind of natural that they would sing and, and do the rapping. And, the, and again, I was I was never a good rapper anyway, <laughs> so I said I leave that to you guys and I do my screaming yeah. and 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 I know that everyone was kind of surprised because that was our first single out uh-huh. with Chuck the Messiah and I go like it's weird when you have the front man singing only the, right. the choruses and nothing else and yeah it, it was kind of corny but but then again we said that this really stood out and it did. It really stood out as a song back in those days because, as you said, we were quite early with it. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, I didn't know that back then. But <laughs> I had I had a girl that I met in Hollywood. Um, she was kind of known, but I will not mention her name. But but uh, she once asked, she said, "I played this for a friend of mine 
he's called Rick, and he is becoming a producer. He really likes your band, and he he's interested in meeting you and so on. And this Rick, he was very much into rap. And I really wasn't, but I, I thought Shut It Out was an absolutely cool song. This turns out to be Rick Rubin. That's what I thought <laughs> when you said that. And, and I said, yeah, well, t- tell him hi. It would be nice to meet sometime. Uh, I never did. Uh, but, never did. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the way. But as you said, Rick, and Rick Rubin was very much into that as well because he mm. wanted, he really wanted to pair the rap with the rocker thing as he did with the Aerosmith stuff mm. later on from the MC and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's fun. So, you know, a song like that, though, I got to ask, though, when you're playing that live, I mean, is that a little awkward? You're, are you out there on stage during the verses? And like, <laughs> yeah. Just standing there? I, 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 yeah, it, it is kind of awkward, yes. Yeah. But, you, you, you know, you have to be in the back. You know, you, you can uh, have a laugh with the drummer and they can go on and then you just turn your back again and do that. But as you, <laughs> exactly as you say, how it's the same way we were supposed to do with the video. The video we did also... We were quite early with stuff like that. You know, like, like I said, Rick Rubin was interested. I didn't know who Rick was back in those days. Yeah. Same thing. The, the, the woman that did the, the, the Shut It Out um, uh, video, that was Penelope Spears. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. And, and she, we came about her name just doing the, the fact of the, the decline of the Western civilization. Right. Yeah. yeah. And later on, she did a lot of stuff, you know, movies and so on with with uh, Wayne's World and those guys, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think on. so. Yeah, so put up your spirits. And I was asking, like, what the am I supposed to do in this video? <laughs> Why am what? I even here? Well, yeah. So yeah, I'm there dancing around with my leather jacket and then, you know, I have a screen here and there. But but as you said, it, it, it live sometimes was kind of walking. Sometimes I just walk off stage and I, you know, I had a cold beer or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Came in, it came in for the choruses and out again. Oh, but man. it is kind of awkward, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to ask, and I know you've been asked a lot, I'm sure, but the relationship between you and Tim, do you uh, do you ever see that uh fixing itself no i don't believe so okay. uh, uh i have i have absolutely no no uh, nothing against him mm. whatsoever i uh, i for some reason he has with me and i don't know why uh, we had the difference, but we had a lot of fun together as well. So I really don't know what the deal is uh, regarding that because we 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 were kind of close. Uh, mm. Could we be different with things? Absolutely. Did we have arguments? Yes. When there were arguments, it was usually between me and Tim. Uh, that's absolutely true. But at the same time, we had a lot of fun as well. And I don't really know what it is, but but he he has some kind of grudge with me. And yeah. and I thought, like, hey, there was that. I haven't we haven't spoken since nine since nineteen ninety. And wow. uh, uh, yeah, and, and you know, I'm absolutely. I think it was fantastic when he did the thing with Marilyn Manson. It was a really good run for him, both as a producer and as a musician and everything like that. And so I, I was not maybe too keen with that other stuff he did, but but the Mary Manson things and some of his scold things that he's done was really good. Mm-hmm. And, and I always praised him for that. And and then we weren't the closest of friends, but 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 uh, you know we we have a past together and never. And now again, then I know that he's not looking at the past ever. Right. He just so on and on and on. And that's probably why he he stays thinks that he does. You know. 
people have come to me and said, well, he said, you know, they, but Dave, when hell freezes over, he will never, ever work with you again. again. And that may be so. And, um, and that's okay. So now I don't really, to be honest, I don't really know what, what the deal is. I have no, I have no problem with him uh, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish him all the best. Sure. Well, I mean, so, I, that, that, that's, I mean, hopefully one day you guys can, you know, talk again. Um, I mean, I'd love to see you guys play. I, like I said, I never have. And nowadays uh, with all these festivals, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of opportunity out there for you guys if you did, you know, reconcile. Yeah, the thing was that we had, we had that chance a few years back. Mm-hmm. And we were in talks. Uh, I, I can say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it seemed like pretty close for mm-hmm. a while. And uh, but then, from what I heard, I, I was not talking to Tim, uh, as I said before. But uh, since Harry is very, Harry and Tim is is very close to each other, of course. And I mean, I mean, Harry have recently, you know, some years back, uh, begin to talk again, and, and you know, you know, seeing how things are and this and that. What are you doing? And how's how's your health? And what's you, what's you doing now? And so on. So, so it, it came about because they they were asking here in the in the European festivals. They were asking, and and there was. Absolutely, as people wanted it to happen, and we were in talks with it, and we and I came up with the idea first, or I I, I, I out the idea, and I said, that, "Why don't we do it like I can be up there the first twenty or thirty minutes doing stuff from the first album, and then I walk off stage and you do the rest because they have two other albums to make, but whatever they want to play, if they want to play from the second coming and the the violent new breed or whatever, mm-hmm. and that seemed like a good idea." Uh, first, it seems like it, it uh, fell down very well. And so what I did, actually, I contacted several festivals and, and they wanted to sign us and they, they wanted to have us. Sure. And, I, and so I told everyone, this is what we have. And, and the payment, the, the pay and everything was good. There was one thing, though, it was that because we have to take Tim and Harry over to, from the U.S. to, to Europe. There will be days to kill, right? Uh, yeah. Because all the festivals is not back to back. So it will be 10 days here and 10 days there. So they understood, okay, we, we need to be in Europe quite a long time for maybe six or seven festivals. And, and, and I know that was something that they understandable. It should we be gone two months for like seven? Or, or if we go back and forth, that would cost them quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And is it worth it? And so on. So, so that was one of the reasons why it never happened. And then the management for Tim, uh, came back and said that, that there will be no way that they can let me sing uh, like for half an hour and I do the first album, but mm. I could come up as a guest doing two songs. And then I thought like, well, that's if if we sell it like the Shaka Messiah original and I only yeah. do two songs, that's not really fair. And I said, yeah. I, I don't want to be a guest artist with a band that I was the original singer from. So, so either I do. Uh, mm-hmm. six or seven songs at least and, and then you know they move on because they have a career after after I left uh, so, so they can do that but so it fell apart mm. uh, but it was pretty close uh, yeah. we, we thought and I know that Harry was working up and said I want to work up my shops here because you know they sold us <laughs> and so on but you know that's what he's saying he you know he he can pull that off in a minute he has uh, some chops oh yeah yeah, that, that that guy. But I said I'm really practicing now because I have to do this again. And then I said, <laughs> well, "You can do that in a, in a heartbeat." Yeah. So, so it was it was really about it. But then for some reason, and that, and that's what I heard. That was a management decision, uh, the, the team's management decision. They said, 
Uh, yeah. That's too bad. I mean, like so, I said, uh, that, yeah. And, and me and Harry said also that it would have been fun. It would yeah. have been absolutely fun to do it. But we said that okay, this was probably it. that was the train, and now it left the station because again, the stuff he does. Uh, how long can you do that? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you're not getting any younger, and it's the same. It's the same for me with the voice. I can, I can still do the high pitches with 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 with, with the Shaka Messiah songs and so on. But for how long? I don't know. Maybe in half a year it might be gone. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm lucky enough to pull it off right now, and I'm sometimes I'm pretty surprised about it. But 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 you know, things change when you get older. That's that's for sure. sure. And like you said, none of us are getting any uh, younger, as you can see with my no. hair here. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But, you know, like uh, I said, I uh, hope it does. I hope it does. Yeah, I, I, I can say that I heard the rumor that that, uh, that Tim and Harry are working on some Shaka Messiah stuff. And that would be really interesting, I would say, for, for the Shaka Messiah supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do believe that again, Harry Harry never tells anything. Harry Harry is the cool guy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, not too much here and there and so on. And, yeah. and, and since I don't speak to Tim, but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that sometime during the during the 2022, you might get something from from these guys under the name Shaka Messiah, and that would be very interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So tell me a little bit about your book. I mean, you touched on that here and there through this conversation, but tell me, uh, when are we expecting this? Well, (laughs) (laughs) or is it just a work in progress? Yeah, yeah, it's been work in progress for a long time, to be honest. I was was asked a few years back, and I said yes, and I started it because I had this book uh, management that said, okay, we want to do it. And uh, I started it, but then I had uh, some members that I played with before in certain bands, uh, and then, then uh, two rock journalists that has been uh, very close to me, uh, they called me up and said, "Hey, Zinni, because they know if I if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to be that honest. Uh, sure, why because, not? Yeah, otherwise, otherwise, there's no meaning. I don't want to put in. Uh, oh, so we are uh, we overdose here, overdose there. You know, things that if that happens, it happens, and I will talk about it. But, yeah. but uh, I will I will tell the truth." Uh, the way I saw it, of course, but the, the truth is, of course, different between where you stand and who you are and how you look at it. But from my point of view, the, the truth that I saw in, in in my life and what I did, and they were quite shocked. And I said, Zinni, 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 we know that you are so open. You will tell stuff that mm, this is not cool. Uh, you know, I have family now and I live a different life now and so on and so forth. And I said, so do I. But then again, the book is not about you. It's about it's about me. Right. But yeah, but yeah, but I'm associated with you. And I said, yeah, well, I will never write your name or yeah. But they know that I play with you. You know that. And then I thought for a while because I had four people uh, saying this, and those were kind of close to me, anyways. And so I thought that well, you know, I don't want to ruin the friendship, you know, just for a book. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, I, I skip it. So I said, okay, I will not do the book. Two years later, one of the guys release book <laughs> <laughs> that's why he didn't want well, you to do well it. you told me not to do it you never told me that you wrote a book until two a few weeks before it was supposed to be released then someone from your booking was saying uh, can you give us some stories and i go no Hell no. If he doesn't remember him, and, and those are my stories because there was stuff that I did that were kind of yeah. funny and goofy back in those days. And I said, no, 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 no. Those things that you you don't touch because I got, I'm going to have an... And he never called me about this book. So I, I gave him a ring and I said, well, 
it goes both ways. You know, I would never say that don't write this book, but you know, when you do now, it would be good to have a heads up and say, right. well, I'm releasing my truth now or my autobiography and you know, you're in it. So, you know, be, uh, beware of that. So, you know, what's going to happen? Nothing. Uh, and then I thought, well, well, uh, mm. if they can do it like that, then so can I. So, so, but yeah, so I'm writing it now. And, and as I said, I said, I'm going to finish it because I, I put it aside and I said, well, who's going to, who's going to listen to, who's going to want to write, they read about this anyways. And why should I put out myself like that? You know, it's always go back and forth with that because I'm, I'm, I am a private person at the same time. I'm very open. So I'm back and forth. The, the only thing I've been very, uh, it's otherwise for me it's a yes or no it's mm-hmm. always like that but with this book it has been so now i said told myself and i told to to, to the book guys that i will write and finish it then i see if it's going it's going to be for my kids so they get to know what their what the hell their father did before they came about yeah and, and uh, or if i i will release it but 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 i think yeah i should release it you know there, yeah, there, you there's should. no there's no crazy stuff like that that I, I will not go to jail. Right. right. But, but it, but it's, it, it is, a, it is a very good story because there, there are, it all depends on what you are focusing on. But, but, but it, a lot of these autobiographies, of course, has been regarding drugs and people that have lost lives and so on, which is very tragic and, 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 and everything like that. And people's alcoholism or, or heroin use or whatever. And, and, Stuff like that. Yeah, you should write about it, but I'm not. I don't want to sell a book like that, mm-hmm. uh, that because I, there's other things that I feel uh, things like that. Of course, will be in the book mm-hmm. if there is something that happened in my life. But I, I would see it on. The, there's so many things in the music industry for you, these people that you meet. Sometimes yeah. it's absolutely crazy. Well, well, the time you lived, you know, in we're in the industry. Thank you. Heavily, it, it's that's a time that's never going to happen again. Exactly, and, you know? and and that's what I and, and I know when when I first talked to the publisher, and they go like, "Well, this book has to be real because I said I don't want to have the drunk and drunk and and, uh, and party thing uh, book because I want to put it in a context that people understand what was happening mm-hmm. back from the punk rock and when the hard rock was beginning and, and everything like that in the eighties in the U.S. and the, the, the Sunset Strip thing and everything around that." Uh, you know that is something that will never happen again yeah. and you should put it in a context what was happening back then and all those things and, and that's what i wanted to do because i wanted to be something so people can understand okay so this was the 80s both in music and film in the u.s or wherever and, and okay this is what was happening mm-hmm. uh, and, and because for, for me it's it was very surreal when I when I came, uh, for example, when I came to live in Hollywood, I um, back in 1989, I knew exactly how much uh, Sylvester Stallone was making uh, from Rambo or whatever or Rocky. Uh, I knew exactly how much Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to get for for his uh, his um, um, I'll Be Back movies <laughs> and <laughs> Terminators. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, when I was looking at television, there was a wall somewhere in Europe that was taken down. That was the burning wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and, and that was the focus. The focus was all these stars and mega stars doing this. And then, by the way, there's a wall somewhere in Europe that's down. Mm. So, so, you know, everything, Hollywood and Los Angeles back in those days, it was absolutely a bubble. 
you, you would live in this small bubble and you knew about the music scene and everything like that and what, what, what Madonna was doing or whatever. And, and all the, when you had dinners with, with, with the journalists or, or, or record executives or whatever, they were talking about Freddie Mercury. We were talking about who's going to come out first, Freddie Mercury or, or, or Rob Halford, because mm. everyone knew back then and, right. and, and so on. But no one, no one said anything, but everyone knew. Uh, it, it was a different era of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and and the same if you come to the drug things and stuff like that, all these executives and all these people around it, you know, they can tell you can say it now. Everyone had it, and everyone, you know, I thought it was a trick thing. You a sign trick? something, and then it, all of a sudden these things come up and say, "Wow, this is really good." And I go, "No, no, no, thank you. I just do alcohol." And they're looking at me like. You stupid foreigner! You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it was absolutely crazy, but it, but it was absolutely legal. It was cool. Everything was. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, and, uh, well, uh, I, I, I'm excited times. to hear that you're you're doing that because I love reading the books. You know, all the autobiographies from from everybody. So, so do I. So do I. Yeah. And it's always cool to see the pers- different perspectives, you know. Yeah. And, and when people are writing, like, let's for say, Duff McKagan versus the Slash, and and Joe Perry versus Steven Tyler, or whatever, right. it, you know, they have different kind of views of it. And of course, they they're speaking their truth, what they saw, what they felt, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have a I have a ton of them, and I'll definitely add yours to it once that gets yeah. out there. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you. you. Do you have um? Do you keep anything around from? Your shotgun messiah days, like do you keep magazines and records and posters? I, I had a fantastic mother because she's always been supportive, and she actually she I I flew her out for the first palace uh, gig we did with shotgun messiah. So uh, she'd never been to America before, so I flew her out, and she's always been very supportive. She had every clip I ever had in any magazine ah, with good easy mom. action shotgun messiah. Yeah. And the only reason why I still also have the cassette you showed yeah. was due to the fact that my mother, every time I had a release with anything, she said, you had at least to give me one copy each of everything, because I know how you are. You will always, <laughs> have, you would give them away because you feel like people should have them. And then you have nothing by yourself. Yeah. And th- that's true. So when my mother passed away, I had, when I saw these things, it was like, for me, it was my entire life. I was just reading this and seeing, and I thought, awesome. wow, here's the cassette. <laughs> wow, here's the poster for Shaka Messiah that I thought I never had. And, well, wow, here's a T-shirt. And uh, it, it was, for me, it was like digging in gold. It was really yeah. fun. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have had anything. Oh, man. How, how old are your kids? Uh, 22 and 12. Okay. So 10 so years th- between them. So they're aware of your past. Yeah, absolutely. Do they, do they get a kick out of looking at that stuff? Uh, my daughter, absolutely. My, 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 my daughter is 22. You know, she, she was hanging out with Queen's They wanted to take her on tour and she, she, <laughs> and everything. So she's been around all the time with me. Uh, she's really daddy's little girl. So, so, uh-huh. and she kind of, I've loved that this kind of music as well. So she's very, very aware of it. And, you know, she comes to my concerts and this and that. My son knows about it. And he, I see that now when we made a video here in this, uh, with the heartbreak city and everything, I know, you know, he's, He's getting a little bit, bit 
not embarrassed, but if I, wow, cool, my dad is on TV and you know, my dad is on the radio. <laughs> now. But but it, it never, you know, he's more like a he he's more like a, a hip hop guy. How is so he? It's, so it's like your dad, well, your, your music is so so, but I think you're cool because you're, you know, we we playing all the time here, and he's into drums. We have drums here at, at the oh. house as well. So sometimes he said, by the drums, what I'm making up chords on the guitar. And I said, well, have this beat because I have to have this. Okay. So, so yeah, they're not ashamed of me, but, but my, my, my son think it's, it's kind of funny because his, his school friends are saying like, well, that your dad is on TV or your dad has been there and so on. But, but my, my daughter was really into it and she's with every concert and she, she's really bummed out when, when I say she can't go because sometimes yeah. I say, no, no, you've seen enough because I want to be afraid. I want to be alone this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no, but they're, they're very cool with it. And, and, they, and they know that they have a dad that doesn't, that doesn't look the same as their other dads uh, on the on the, fo- the football coaches and all these guys and so on. But but they're, probably... they're, they're very they're very cool with it. And and even so, when we're out during the summers and so on, people stop you and, and you know, you're having lunch. People come for autographs and stuff like that. They uh-huh. were very cool about it. They never get annoyed or anything like that. They they, yeah. they think it's cool. Like, or most of the time, they think my son is making fun of him. He's a dad don't they have other you know people to you know you're 58 for god's sake <laughs> and I go, shut up you never get ice cream again do they, do they make fun of, of the you had some major hair standing up back in the day oh yeah do they ever laugh at those pictures <laughs> no actually I'm, I'm kind of surprised both my kids think it's so cool yeah and that surprises me because uh, I, I you know people still make fun of that because i I don't have the, the biggest hair as I used to have, but but I still look, have the same kind of style. I'm just a, a lot older. Yeah, but, there's but, some photos, though, of you with that hair up there. I, I don't know how many cans of Aquanet it took, but you no, had it up okay. there. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the one to blame for the ozone layer. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking time to chat. Um, looking forward to the record coming out. It was an absolute pleasure, Joe, as well. Uh, really nice to talk to you. And as soon as I get things out here, I will see to it that you have it first. So oh, man, um, I appreciate it. So, yeah. So, so, but now we have our, our email addresses and everything. I will send you out some stuff as well. And uh, you just give me your, your addresses and stuff like that. I will send it out to you. Awesome, and, man. Uh, maybe if I see something with Chaka Masai that I know you don't have, uh, maybe I can send something for you as well. That'd be fantastic. That'd be amazing. All right, Zinni, well, listen, um, when that album comes out, maybe we'll get you back on here too, okay? We'll talk we'll talk about the full album. Anytime, Joe. It's a pleasure. All right, buddy. I will see you later. You have a great day, sir. The very same to you. Have a nice weekend. Talk to you Bye, soon. Bye, man. Bye. Bye-bye. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcasts.